rough and you may see uh, the, the fire truck come out and do the siren, the horn for us. So um, those are the things right there. Including uh, part of our National Night Out, 16 we six or so people for National Night Out. So uh, if you are willing to help out, this is what they need. They need the size and the size that they're going to need are potato salad, macaroni salad, baked beans, apple pie, cookies, anything of that nature. And if you make some extra apple pie,
to your seats. I have one more announcement I need to share with you. If you would, please make your way back to your seats. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've been asked to remind you that we will be having our Operation Sister Child Rummage Sale as well next week. So set up will be Friday next week. And then, of course, we'll be having the actual sale on Saturday. I think it's 8 to 2 is that the time frame for it. And it's going to be a big one this year. So get with Sister Esther, get with the office, and reserve your place now. There's already quite a few gone. And so you can still get some of those tables, though, and the funds and tables go to support the shipping of the Operation Sister Child Sea Box. So that's next week uh, on Friday to Saturday, but that's the sale on Saturday. So on the 14th, that's Friday. Praise God. I got that part right. So 14th coming up. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, other than that, we have an Operation Digital Child video I'd love for you to see, so please enjoy that. My name is Yekaterina Hayfelden. And I'm from the former Soviet Union. I grew up in a poor and dysfunctional family. After my father went to prison, my mother left and she never came back. My sister and I, we were left to fend for ourselves. We kept wandering the street until we were put into an orphanage. Some orphanages were nice. Others, teachers were mentally and physically abusive. In the year of 2000, missionaries began to enter my orphanage. They told us how I can pray to God anytime and He would hear me. And one of those missionaries was Operation Christmas Child. I still remember the day I received my shoebox. It was a beautiful, sunny day. As I began to open my shoebox, I discovered a coloring book uh, and markers. I was 12 years old and I was just so excited about those items because I love to color. I began to hope for a family that would come and take me in as their own into their family. Years went by and no one seemed to be interested. I began to give up on God. Until one day, a social worker called me over and said, Girls, I don't know how, but both of you are getting adopted, and you are going to America. In that moment, I knew with God, all things are possible. God not only blessed me with good Christian parents, but He also blessed me with loving husband, two children, and we enjoy packing shoeboxes as a family. Those simple shoeboxes bring so much hope and joy to the children around the world like me. In Jesus' mighty name.
you don't have a Savior, you need to get to know Jesus. You don't have any righteousness, you need to get to know Jesus. Well, good morning. As those kids leave out, boy, what a difference it makes, doesn't it? You can feel the void when they leave. The joy. In fact, I am often reminded when I see those kids up there in the front front row, that perfect praise comes out of the mouth of babies, can't it? Don't you ever stop those kids from praising the Lord. Don't do it. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to please from the book of Genesis, chapter 17. Genesis 17. Oh, the title of this morning's message is, What's in the Name? What's in the Name? I don't know about you, but uh, I often think about names. They have been part of my life, my career. Names, uh, my biblical education, names meant so much where I was. place I studied at, names, we emphasized a lot on names and what they meant. Ages, genealogy, things that are normally born that bring so much joy to me. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What's in the name. Today, here in the United States, we meet people whose name is Tom or Bill or Harry, and that's what it means, Tom, Bill, or Harry. It's been a long time since I met someone named June Hilbert, though, and I can't wait to do that again. What's, what's in the name? No. Is it just a label? When you think of a name, is it just a label? In fact, when you go places to get a name tag, yesterday, Betsy and I were at the Star River annual meeting. We were representing Robert Madden Baptist Church and you give us an opportunity to um, let other churches know that we would be willing to come to Christ for the Passover, Christ for the Chronicle, Christ for the Shabbat, something that they're not familiar with. And I know you guys are familiar with. Let me just tell you right now, Jimmy, I want to share this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for letting me be me. You don't know how hard it has been. Over 30 years of ministry, even in the churches, the people who look at me and say, you can't be here. Thank you for letting me be who I am. Thank you for letting me love God the way I love God. And I love Him with all of my heart. And sometimes it comes out when I'm in the choir loft and I'm dancing and singing. And there's been churches that say, you can't do that, Pastor. You have never said that to me. In fact, I watched our young ones now dancing and singing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We have a reason to dance. Amen? I've been forgiven. So, thank you for letting me be me. So, I got to speak to many, many churches yesterday concerning what we can offer them. Pray for us in that. Pray that God will use that. And God will bring them here and write the schedule. They say, you don't want to do it. You can come to ours. So, we gave out lots of information. While I was there, though, Betsy and I had to wear a name tag. We drove out of Nashville. Our name tag said Joshua Morrison. And when they filled out my wife, they were like, Is your name Morrison as well? I was like, It better be. Over the last 25 years, I've disqualified myself in the And uh, they looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, Oh, yeah. Y'all 
Abraham fell on his face, and God talked to him, saying, As for me, I love this, because God starts to covenant with, This is what I'm going to do. This is what I will require of me, this covenant. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you, Abraham, shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but it will be called Abram. For I have made you a father of many nations. Abram! Let's go to the Lord and pray. Our Father, God in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, your word is quick and it's powerful. It is softer than any spirit of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, in heaven, Lord, that it would cut down the rock, cut to our souls, Lord, with every name of Need to grab a hold of the name of your own name. Anyone, Lord God, who needs to be a part of your only name who gives life, the only one, Lord, who could ever save Jesus. Go with this man. Take charge. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Abram, and some of you may be asking, hey, Pastor, is this where we got this right here? And what is that? Is that the emblem Abram Tank? <laughs> That's the emblem Abram Tank. I remember in Germany, the kids when the Abram Tank came out, and they were really promoting that and showing that on um, the military recruit films. They would show how fast that Abram Tank would go down the road. They actually did a live test in Germany. And I was sitting there and brought that tank down the road. That thing could zero turn just about. It was amazing what it could do. They ran over a couple of cars with it. They went and ran over a couple of cars. That tank, and I was just awestruck as a kid. So I want to get in that Abrams tank. That tank could stop a bullet, it could stop a shoulder fired rocket, and it would travel about 60, 70 miles an hour. I don't want to know the gas mileage, though, do you? But Abram, no. Abram, that's not where we got the Abrams tank at. So, unfortunately, I know we got a lot of soldiers here today. So shout out to you. God bless you. Thank you for your service. And let me tell you, yes, yes, you are prayed for here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. If you've served or if you're serving right now, you are prayed for, you are loved, and you are welcome here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. You are not only part of our ministry, you are part of who we are. And so we love our military, and we are grateful that God saw fit to make this part of Christian path the package that we can carry. So, Abram, the Hebrew word Abram, and I gave it to you right here. On the next slide, Abram, I want to put it to you before you. That's from Joshua's translation. Abram, definition means exalted father. In fact, the original name is Abraham. Just in case you get confused, Abram. 
One can see it there. Hebrews read from right to left. That's an olive, a bat, a rat, and a memory. A memory. That's a close memory. It's the final form of memory. It's not open. You read Paleo as you do that's the wound. The Lord's Sunday school this morning had a hard time not going into that to talk a little bit about God's mercy. His pressure, his love. Paul's with that final memory had a really hard time not going into what it means to be in the wound. Abraham, 
for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, your name will be Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. So from Abram, Abraham. From Abram to Abraham. So God added something in that name. He added a ha. God added a J. God added a ha. Abram to Abraham. He added a ha. And incidentally, that's no last name. Abraham. There's his name in Hebrew, Abraham. I went ahead and wrote that down there for you as well. And transliterated, we just put it as Abraham. And it too means exalted father, but it means something a little bit more. We've got that ha in there. That ha kind of adds a little bit to it. It adds a little bit of emphasis. It adds some emphasis. In fact, if you were to deny something and say, I emphatically deny it, it means that you're adding a lot of emphasis on it. No way! Jose, right? No, I didn't do that. No, I don't want to be a part of it. Emphatically, that's not what I'm talking about. Now, you've got to put the top in Abraham. He was no longer just exalted father, but exalted father of many, many, many nations. And we know what that means. We're biblical scholars. We're people of the book here in the Baptist Church. We read our Bibles. We believe our Bibles. We trust our Bibles. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Can I get an amen on that? We believe it's inspired. We believe it's infallible. We believe it's inerrant. We do. If you don't, then you don't belong to the Baptist church. You need to go somewhere else. Right? We believe the Bible. You did. It's the final. It's the same so. The Bible is. We believe that God gave it to us. We believe that God sent it We have faith in that. So when we take a look at Abram, Abraham, we realize he became father of a multitude. And we know that's fulfilled. It's fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And not just that, but there are many, 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 many Jews. But later on, Jesus Christ is Jewish, then leads us to a relationship with the Father and many, many, many nations and many, many multitudes. We know how that's fulfilled, right? Most of us can agree with that. Say, absolutely. That's really cool. What are you trying to get at, Pastor? Well, I want to remind you that we are moving from Abram to Abraham. So how do we move from Abram to Abraham? Well, look at what God required from Abram. Remember Abram, exalted father? I'm going to change your name to Abram or Abraham to be an exalted father of a nation. Exalted father of multitudes. So look with me in verse 9 quickly now. God said to Abraham, after you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your descendants. Now, God already told us what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you Abraham, not just Abram. I'm going to put a high in there. Sometimes we like to think that Christianity is being boring. Well, remember, God gave us the right to have a high. Somebody say amen. So if you feel like laughing, go ahead. Abraham did. He said a high in there. So, God says, that for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations. Here's Abraham's part in the covenant. Not just God's part. God's part, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you an exalted father of multitudes. Here's your part, Abraham. You and your descendants throughout their generations. Verse 10, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your portion. And shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And moving on to verse 12, just for emphasis here, emphatically. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation. He who is born in your house or bought with money for any foreigner who is not your descendant. Let's put a modern day twist on it so we understand it. Not just your children, 
not just your relatives, but slaves who are brought into your house, or foreigners who are allowed to live in your house as wage-earning employees. Anybody who's born in your house bought with money from these foreigners, not a descendant. He's born in your house, and he who's bought with your money must be circumcised. And my subject shall be in your flesh, and that's your subject. In other words, what's in your house? What's in your house, Abraham, has to keep this covenant. Look at verse 14. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? So, folks, you want to say, well, I don't want to talk about circumcision. That's it. Well, neither do I. Sounds painful. Amen. But I want you to know something. Going with God can be painful. When you start walking with God, you're going to find out there are things God is going to require of you to cut off. There are things that you have to get rid of, especially if you're going to move from Abram to Abraham. There are things that you've got to get cut out of your life. And let's talk about a few of those quickly now. Number one, if you're going to be the Christian God called you to be, you're going to be the husband God called you to be, you're going to be the man God called you to be, then the first thing we need to get rid of is idolatry. Amen? When we have idolatry in our house, then we are no longer keeping the covenant of God. And what I mean by idolatry is anything that takes the place of God Almighty. Sometimes we worship money, we worship fame, we worship fortune, we worship success, we worship women. You can't do that. Worship God and Him alone. Sometimes that's painful, though, isn't it? Especially when you got children in the house, you're like, you can't worship that, buddy. That is not what God is. So yeah, sometimes going with God can be painful. You were in the last class that I taught, we taught experiencing God. And one of the spiritual truths we learned in there is that you can't go with God and stay the same way you are. God will change you. Abraham is being changed here. And the requirement that God gave him is you and everybody in your house keep my covenant. Now, I'm preaching to dads this morning. But don't think you're off the hook, women. I'm going to get to you in just a minute. Okay? Here's the deal, though. Uh, as I'm talking to Dad this morning, Abraham's out there. If you're going to be an exalted follower of the multitude, then you've got to do what Abraham did. And did you catch what he did? Did you catch what God said? God said, not just you, buddy, but everybody in your house. Father, you are responsible for what happens in your house. Can I get an amen? All the ladies should be saying amen right now. Every one of us. We're going to be that husband that God has called us to be. If we're going to be that Abraham, the exalted father of a multitude, then we've got to make sure that what's going on in our house glorifies God. So here's what you need to know. Everybody in Abraham's house had to go through circumcision. That includes his first son. His first son that came from a, a failed plan. He said, what do you mean failed plan? You know what? Sometimes when we try to do things that help God out, we end up making things worse. Here is Abram and Salai, and we're going to talk about Salai here in a minute. And Salai decided, hey, it's been a long time since God gave us a promise that we're going to have a child, so let's just help God out. We'll bring in Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid. She'll be your concubine. You'll have a child with her, and this child will become your heir. And they did, and that child's name is Ishmael. And that child becomes the father of the Arab nation to this day. Still a thorn in Israel's side. When you try to help God out, you really aren't helping God out. You're causing problems. Let God do the work. You understand what the Scripture says? The Scriptures don't say, hey, don't just stand there and do something. The Scriptures say, don't do something. Stand there and watch God do the work. So here's what you need to know. 
everybody in Abram's house had to be circumcised. That means everybody who was there, including Ishmael. Everybody had to go through that circumcision. If you're going to be the father God called you to be, the husband God called you to be, the man of God that He's called you to be, then whatever's in your house has got to be in God's covenant. Can I ask you a question, Dad? Are you letting things go on in your boys' and daughters' bedrooms that aren't godly? Are you letting them watch things that don't bring honor to the God of Abraham? Are you reading things? Are you listening to things? Are you letting things in your house that don't belong in a man of God's house? You're going to be Abraham and everybody. I know I'm not just preaching to me this morning. Some people say, are you pointing at me, Pastor? No, no. No, no. Remember when we point a finger, there's three fingers pointing back at us. Here's the deal, though. I have learned this, that if I, as a pastor, expect the church to be godly, then my house has to be godly. If I expect the church to be cult-free, then my house has to be cult-free. And listen to me, Father, if you expect your children to grow up not worshiping demons and devils and not being into witchcraft, then you need to make sure your house is witchcraft-free. Somebody say amen here. If you're going to be an Abraham, then you've got to start teaching your house to follow God. Now, the father of a multitude, we often get caught up in that, well, he brought all those Jews, right? Many, 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 many Jews. Later on, as Jesus comes, many, many people get drafted in to Israel. And so there's multitudes and multitudes and multitudes. Amen. Yes, that is right. But I can't help but point this out. I don't believe. Now, this is just my opinion. And I deserve the right to be wrong. But I believe Father Moses doesn't just refer to people. I believe he refers to all kinds of people. Not just people. Children. The converts. Father of multitudes can refer to the father of fruit and fish. Because a good godly man, he gives Christ, he has multitudes of love in his house. He has multitudes of joy in his house. He has multitudes of peace in his house. He has multitudes of long suffering. That's patience in his house. He has multitudes of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in his house because he's moved from being an exalted father that goes around saying, look at me. I'm the number one man to say, look at what God did. He's the number one God. He went from Abram to Abraham. He went from Abram to Abraham. Perhaps you need to move from Abram to Abraham this morning. How are you going to do that? Well, the Bible tells us and Abram had his whole house follow after God's covenant. So if you're going to move from an Abram, from somebody that enjoys being called number one daddy o to God's number one, then you've got to start doing it God's way. Everything in your house has to point to God. Everything in your house has to be for God. Now, a few days ago, Rex and I were shopping. And as we went shopping, I watched people around me, and there was a man who had to be in his late 20s. And as he was sitting there on the shopping cart, I don't know if you call it a cart or a buggy, I don't know, Texas, I've run into different ways. I call it a shopping cart, so forgive me, but that's northern and Jason right, okay? So it was a shopping cart, and he was leaning on a shopping cart, but his wife was the one getting everything and putting it in the cart. And after a few minutes, other dads pulled in the same aisle. I was in. what was I doing? Watching my wife put things in the front and front end. That's not the point. The point was, I began noticing that she was doing all the work. A 
And one of the other dads walked over as she was struggling to get something on the top shelf, walked over and helped his wife out. She said, oh, thank you very much. And I knew what that man was thinking. As he turned around and looked at that husband who was not helping his wife, he turned around and looked at her and said, I was glad to help you, ma'am. And I saw the husband's face. Of course, some of you are thinking he was jealous. I know he wasn't. I read that man's face like a deaf car. Do you know what he said? He was at a late point. on his face. You know, sometimes you can just make a look at somebody and know what's going on. You know what he said to me? In that look, he said, don't worry about me. We're at the stage of our marriage where I can't do anything right. No matter what I do, it can't be right. He said, if I would have went up there and got it and put it in the cart, she would have rearranged it somewhere else in the cart. If I would have put it in the grocery bag, she would have taken it out of a bag and put it in another bag because I can't do anything wrong. He said, if I would have loaded it up in the car, she would have rearranged it in the back of the car. If I would carry them into the house and set them down on the floor, she would rearrange them because I can't do anything wrong. But because you did it, it was funny. Some of you are in that spot right now in your relationship. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you might say, Pastor, how do you know about that? I've been married 25 years. And you know, those stages don't last. You know, sometimes we think they're, they're there and they're gone and never come back. No, they're repeating stages. They come back from time to time. There's times that a man can't do anything right. And that's why I'm preaching to men this morning. Because men need to move from being Abram. You understand what I'm trying to say here this morning? Abrams are the ones that walk around the house saying, Look at me. I'm the exalted father. I am the head of this house. I'm the main man, the head honcho. What I say goes. That's not what an Abraham is. An Abraham is a father of a multitude, and he is a father of love. And in his house is lots of love, not look at me. In his house is lots of joy, not check me out. In his house is lots of peace, not lots of war. See that man I was looking at at Walmart? He just looked to me said, I've been down this road before. It'll end in a day or two, and I'll be exalted father again. And because I've been down this road before, I have peace. Knowing my wife isn't using me. My wife doesn't hate me. She just thinks I can't do anything right. Why do women do that? <laughs> I told you, ladies, you're not off the hook here this morning. I knew from looking at this man's face that he had become an Abraham. And he had a multitude of hatred in his house. See, not only did he have his wife there, he also had about five kids running around. And those kids were yelling, screaming, throwing, grabbing everything. And most fathers were like, don't touch, don't you touch, be quiet, hold my hand. You sit right there, you get in the cart. Not that man. He had patience that would make Job jealous. That man had patience that would make any elephant be jealous. That man had become an Abraham, and he had given birth to patience in his house. Why? Because it was no longer about him, but about the God he served. And let me tell you something, Dad. you got to move from Abram to Abraham if you're going to be what God has called you to be in the United States of America today. We've got to start giving birth. We've got to start bringing forth multitudes of love in our household. It is not a sin. It is not unmanly for you to love your wife and for you to love your children. They are craving it. And if they don't get it from you, they'll reach out to anywhere to get it. Come on, Abraham. Love. Multitudes of 
attitudes of love. Come on, Abraham. Be joyful. There's nothing sweeter than a joyful Christian home. Can somebody say amen? Joy in the house. It is a blessing when the house is full of laughter instead of full of yelling and screaming and hunger and banging and slamming. It's a blessing when there's peace in the house. There's a blessing when there's patience in the house. Abraham and multitude. Abraham Father of the multitudes, multitudes of the fruit of the Spirit of God. And Abram, you can go from being Abram to Abraham, but you will come to be. And get your covenant, baby. See what I'm going to do? Abram, this is my covenant. You've got to have circumcision, and you have got to have everybody in your house be circumcised. You can't have peace if you're constantly letting the devil in your house. You can't have peace if you're letting demons at your table. You can't have peace if you're letting idols take place of God. What happens when we say Abram? That just happens. In fact, that's the modern American male this morning. What happens when we say Abram? It's all the father. Joe, it's all about me. Let me tell you right now, she better respect me or I'm going to dump her like yesterday's bad habits. I'm going to broom her to the curb, right? What happens when we say Exalted Father. I want to show you something. Look at me in Jeremiah chapter 20. And perhaps you can flip it in your Bible real quick. If not, I'm going to put the words on the screen. Look at me in, in verses 1 through 3 of Jeremiah chapter 20. The prophet Jeremiah, my favorite of all prophets. We call him the weeping prophet because he has so much conviction in his words, so much tears, so much love. You want to talk about it, Abraham? This guy loved. This guy had joy. This guy did. He had joy when the world was falling down on top of him. Jeremiah was still praising God. What an amazing man. Look at me in verse 1 of Jeremiah chapter 20. Now, Pastor, when you say Pastor, Pastor, the son of Umer. Say that again. Pastor, the son of Umer. We're talking about what's in the name here. So I want you to notice the name Pastor, the son of Umer, the priest who is also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Look at verse 2. And Pastor struck Jeremiah, the prophet. He hit him and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it happened on the next day that Pastor brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Pastor, but Margot Mishabi. What does Margot Mishabi mean? It means you're a holy servant, buddy. It means that everything and everyone around you is afraid, and you're even afraid of yourself. He said, Your name isn't Pastor. But Magor Mashiach. But I want you to notice something about that name, Pastor. Notice that it is something that a lot of people start looking at. Saying, I want to be like that guy. I want to be large. I want to be in charge. I want to be feared. I want to be respected. And you know what? We have forgotten that fear is not respect. Fear doesn't make anybody respect you. Fear makes them just that, afraid of you. Look at Jeremiah chapter 21. Verses 1 and 2. Let's meet another guy named Pastor. Not the same guy, though. That means some time passed here. Look with me in verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent to him Pastor, the son of Nephi. Not in Remember the first one we met in Jeremiah chapter 20? He was the son of the most. This guy, well, either they have two different dads or two different guys. And I'm going to let you judge that. Zephaniah, son of Messiah, the feast, saying, Please inquire the Lord 
against us, but Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works that the king may go away from us. And incidentally, Jeremiah does pray for him. And Jeremiah does inspire the Lord. And Jeremiah brings an answer back. They do not want to hear. He says, Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy you. Nebuchadnezzar is going to raise you. Nebuchadnezzar is going to put this place into the ground. And they don't like what he hears. This is what happens when we say Abram. When we decide that the position is more important than being godly. When we decide that people need to respect us and look at us like we're something important. No, 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 no. It's not about us. It's about God Almighty. And you need to move from being an Abram, an exalted father, to being Abram, the father of a multitude. And as an Abram, you can start right now giving birth in your house to many multitudes. And the multitudes can bring forth peace, love, joy, happiness, long-suffering. Somebody say amen this morning. You can have happiness in your house again if you will go from being this all about me to it's being all about God. But what you got to do, Dad, is get your house back into covenant with God. Some of us have left that covenant. We walked away from it. Remember if you look at past things? Yeah, it's a bad. The time to pass, the desire to be the big daddy, that stays the same. The desire to say, look at me. I'm numero uno. Now, ladies, don't think for just one second to get mad at this. Look with me back in Genesis 17. We're almost done here, but look with me in Genesis 17, 16, 16. God said to Abraham, love, and God is now using Abraham's name. He doesn't say, you're Abram anymore, you are Abraham. And for Salahim, your wife. You should not call her name Salahim. That's the rock. That is her name. And I will bless her, and I shall give you a son by her. And I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. She is a people to be from From what does Salah mean? It means my princess. Ladies, you can walk around the house there. I'm the princess of this place. Huh? Huh? Do you want peace and love in your house? Then you've got to be like Abraham and realize it's not all about you. It's about a family. It's about a father who struggles. And it's about a God who can redeem. Somebody say amen here. You can go up and Notice that God didn't put a ha in this one, but he put a ha in it. He didn't put a ha. It's fun to laugh at God, so I guess I need amen in the Bible. You better not laugh at a woman because something bad will happen to you. Put an ah in this one. It's an ah in Why an ah? Because when men really look at women, we're awestruck. You know what Adam did when God brought Eve to him? He is a son. Somebody I can relate to, somebody who knows what I'm going to. This is someone who will be my help and meet, not a door. from it's all about me, I'm the number one big daddy, to it's all about God, love, joy, peace, patience in my house. Maybe I 
also my Alma Christian attitude. I get what I want, and if I want it, I should have it. Not just my Christian, which would mean it's got the implication of kind of any sort of thing on the end of mine. from being her own princess or all from being Abel's princess. Being the princess of the house. Meaning, she's the mom. She's the one who picks the kid up when the tears are coming down. She's the one that holds that baby at night when they had a nightmare. And no longer is it about being the princess. It's about being a mother because she moved from my princess to being a mother of wrote that final analysis. Let them know my findings. Years of chaplaincy work. Part that I focused on most of all was the offender that was leaving prison. Why? Because they were beginning to confession to me, pastor, chaplain, reverend, priest, whatever they call me. They were beginning to confession to me. I'm afraid to go home. I say, why are you afraid to go home? They say, when I get there, my kids aren't going to call for me anymore. These are the women prisons out of this now. They're not going to call out for me. They're going to have a bad dream. They're going to call out for Dad. And it's going to break my mother's heart. I'm going to get up and say, I'm making dinner. Dad's like, no, that's not how we eat that anymore. You've been gone for 12 years. This is how we eat it. The dog needs to be fixed. Don't worry, Daddy. will so it up. Daddy will kiss that boo-boo away. And she would say, I am scared to death. My husband leaves the room and he takes his wallet with him. I'm like, no girl. So I did a job at 7-Eleven and they won't let me run the register. And I'm like, joy. You're only in prison now. There's arson in your hands. Grandma's in all your young things. Oh my goodness. That's the point I'm getting. The point is this. If Abram can't walk around the house being number one cool daddy, God puts the responsibility on you. He says, everybody in your house has got to be in that covenant. It still takes time to speak about Sarah. You're no longer my princess. You're now princess of the house. That means your kids are going to come to you when they got a problem. Your kids are going to come to you when they need hugging. Your kids are going to come to you when they need loving. You know what else that kid's going to do? He's going to say, Mom, I'm hungry. And you know what else he's going to do? He's going to say, Mom, I'm hungry, but I didn't want that.
name. You gotta get that name. It's not Abraham. It's not Sarah. Just one name. And I need you to understand something. I'm not being mean, and I'm not preaching against you. If you're online, you're watching this morning, I'm not speaking against you, but I need you to understand there is just one name. Just one name. Only one name that stands. Look with me in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. It is not the name, listen to me now, it is not the name of Muhammad. It is not the name of Mary. It is not the name of Buddha. It is not the name of Joe Biden. It is not the name of any politician. It's not the name of the United States of America. It is that one name, that name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every name will bow, hells in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One name. Acts 4.12 tells us there is salvation in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. You've got to get that name. That's the question. How do you get the name? In fact, this morning you're sitting in the Jesus said, I need to be in. I need to get the name. How do we do it? Well, John 1.12 tells us. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. What's the name? You know what's the name? You know what's the name? That name the power of sin. The power to have every knee bow and every tongue confess. You know the name of Jesus is so powerful. Demons tremble at it. You know that the devil must flee at his name. Did you know his name brings light into darkness? His name brings health into the sick. His name brings when there is nothing. His name creates when there is nothing. His name is the name above all names. What's in a name? You better find out. What's in the name of Jesus? There is no other name given to men in which we must be saved. Romans 10 verse 9 tells us. Lord Jesus, you speak it out. He is my Lord. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That's what Christ means to me. You say, Pastor, you've been reading my mail. My house is a war zone. I thought things were going good, and then the next thing you know, it's bad. It's broken. Yelling, they're screaming, tablets are slamming, dishes are cracking. I need to go to Abram, Abraham. Well, Abraham, the first thing you've got to do is listen to what God says. God says it's not about me, it's about him. And God also says, Dad, you got to get this house to the pregnant as well. Dad, you're not going to have peace until mom comes, until the children come, until your house is Christian. Mom, you want peace in your house? Quit walking around saying, I'm a princess. Start walking around saying, I'm the mother of this house. Mother's mercy. Mother's love. Mother's there. Boy, there's nothing greater than a mama's love. Amen? Some of us wish we still had a mama. Some of us might have sit there saying, I wish my mom would back off a little bit. Yeah, that'd be the last thing you say that she does. Be the mother of the house. Practice your passion. 
called upon it right now. You need to become a Christian. I'm going to have the word of prayer that you spoke to you this morning about becoming a Christian, about getting the name, the one name that means everything, the one name that's above all names. This is the will of the coming to Jesus in your heart this morning. The pastor said, Brother Josh, I am a Christian, but I have not led my house in covenant. I've let my house fall apart. Giving my heart, I'm giving my family, I'm giving myself to you. Use me. That's what said. I've been walking around with that princess attitude for far too long. Something to be a mother, a wife, a companion, help note to my Abraham. My Abraham. No, Sarah's and Abram's don't get along, but Sarah's and Abraham get along perfectly. Abraham and Sarah Eve don't get along well. I need to follow through in baptism. Pastor, I need to rededicate whatever it may be. Before we observe the Lord's Supper, let's get it right with God. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you for your word. That you take charge. You know, there be anyone who needs to come to know your perfect Lord and Savior. Anyone who needs to make a decision for you in any way, Lord, please be glorified. Please let the name of Jesus, Lord, be invoked today. If someone calls upon you, they might be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come as we sing. There's room at the cross. Would you come this morning? Would you be an Abraham? Come on. Would you be a Sarah? Come on. Would you be a Christian? Come on.
Therefore, this shall be for each of the bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink the cup. We partake of the Lord's Supper. Let us remember what he did for us on the cross. Let us remember his blood freely shed for us. Let us remember life and death. Let us remember that on the third day he lived. Maybe Lord individually each now comes in our own way. And may we call God to remember the body that was broken for us. Remember, Lord God, the sacrifice you gave for us. That on the cross, Lord, you became sin, that we might become the right people of God. And I pray, Father God, if anyone is here this morning, Lord, that you should be worshiped, that you begin to forgive you, Lord, to be baptized for us, that we might worship you. May this service be glorified to you. May your name be magnified. Lord, there was also a delivery of you. The Lord Jesus came by the way of the faith, the bread, and he gave thanks to the grace, and he said, Take this, this is my body, broken for you, this is you, and you live for me. Do you stand and take it from your hands?
said, Amen. Praise the Lord. It's been my privilege. It's been my pleasure. In the last almost 30 years in ministry, including every Lord's Supper, you'll find in the gospel that the disciples left the upper room at night for last supper and left for the hymn. So it's been my pleasure to include those in the singing of the hymn. So in those 30 years, it's been my tradition to sing Jesus loves you. You'll find us in the last word of Mark and go to him. We'd like to see our closing prayer. Let it be our closing song. Jesus loves you.